This is Satanism 101. This is Russ Dizdar Shatter, the darkness.net on the web. We are in session number 25, Satanism and the Black Awakening. Now, you have gone through quite a few sessions, and I think up to this point, including session 25, all together with part twos and all that, you probably have around 27 hours, I don't know, maybe more, of um, MP3s, lecture sessions on this Satanism 101. As I said in the past, when we've done seminars, usually nine hours to 12 hours in a weekend, uh, you know, compressed, you have literally have two of those seminars all in this course, at least two to three full seminars in this one course. We've also taught this course over a 16-week period, and the only difficulty would be you not getting to answer, you know, ask direct questions. And um, But we've encouraged you to write in. want to mention again from the very beginning an old, old book, uh, in some senses, The Satan Hunter by Tom Wedge. Because we knew him, fellowship with him, and been to Police Academy and so forth um, by, his, you know, by his invitation, we still look at that as kind of a basic... Um, book for uh, law enforcement and um, again a good background book to all of this of course we've mentioned many other books along the way in this course you can get the course and listen to all the mp3s and have 25 anywhere from 25 27 hours 28 hours worth of material and again I think that that's a tremendous heads up most uh, pastors that I know do not have that much heads up on this subject Though I think, again, that's changing, and uh, maybe you can... um, And I want to say this. Though the course, we have a code. We ask you not to transfer it. We ask you not to uh, give it away. It's one of the only means that we have of uh, raising money to stay out there full-time doing this. Someday, if God would bless, I would love to give all the courses. I would give them all free. Um, I would do all the seminars, but... The other side of the story is we know what it is to be in great need ourselves at times over the years. So what I'm saying is we ask that real students who have purchased the course don't give it away to others. Uh, wouldn't be right thing to do. But I want to say this, and you use your judgment discernment. If you think that your pastor would le- you know listen to and benefit from the uh, the MP3s, or if you're making CDs and you make an entire set of I don't know. Like I said, I think there's going to be, with all the introductions and part twos and so forth, around 27, 28 hours. If you uh, have done that and you want to let him borrow to listen to, uh, you have permission to do that. And uh, I just mainly want people equipped, educated, and prepared, especially when it comes to these last few sessions, because I think, again, churches in the last 10 years have been uh, stricken with the issue of victims of satanic ritual abuse and uh, have had to, you know, some have paid a price and uh, some have been really, uh, a lot of havoc has been unleashed in local churches with the subject um, of infiltration. Well, in session 25, we're dealing with Satanism in the Black Awakening. And let me say again very clearly, The Black Awakening is not a biblical term. It is not my term. It is what they have told me. 
specifically military-oriented cult multiples or chosen ones or satanic super-soldiers. Regardless of what you or I believe, they believe that uh, hundreds of thousands of them have been trained to be prepared, that they are sleepers right now in a sense, but they will be activated and they are prepared to unleash massive chaos and anarchy and targeting resistors and believers and creating a lot of damage. Now, they don't want to destroy everything. They only want to level level the existing structure so that the prepared, waiting, new order, world order regime can step in and take its place uh, to begin the reign of Antichrist. Now, they believe that. And obviously, if the Antichrist, I mean, not if, but the biblical revelation is that Antichrist will come to power. As a matter of fact, it talks about a, an apocalypse, like Jesus in a visible return. Boom! Uh, the veil is pulled back. He is here visibly in our faces, uh, in the world's face. And this is true about the Antichrist. There will be an apocalypse of the man of lawlessness, Second Thessalonians 2. That's the Greek word used. And so there will be an unveiling uh, the the frog in the kettle approach that's been going on of satanic deception, seduction, confusion, counterfeit signs, wonders, miracles, doctrines, so forth, all have been going on to deceive many. We know it's the last hour, First John chapter two. God's very clear about that. But there's going to be a great revolt. In Scripture, we read that the parousia of the Lord and our being gathered together to Him. That's not going to occur until two satanic events occur. The big rebellion and the apocalypse of Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now the rebellion, that word used there is only used in in, in Acts 21-21 in reference to the big rebellion and revolt that occurred back when Moses was up in the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and the people turned everything upside down, had calf worship going on and living in uh, orgy, it just just absolute um, riotous living. So it was a big riot, a big chaos, a big flipping over. And they took uh, charge. They took charge. And the rule of the day was the satanic worship of the calf. So that's what they talk about. On the page, I give you three points. One, the revealed satanic sequence or the plan. Two, the occult writings of the New World Order and the cleansing. Three, the plot of of the real Luciferians. And then a special note at the end of this course that I'm going to really emphasize. Number one, the revealed satanic sequence. This again is the biblically revealed. So I don't care whatever demons say, whatever in exorcism meetings or deliverance meetings, what needs to be looked at first is everything the Word of God says about what Satan's going to do. Because God has uh, him nailed down. There's not a thing that he's doing or planning that God doesn't know about. Satan is not infinite. Satan is not omnipresent. God is. God knows the beginning from the end. And there's nothing he can do that... uh, that God doesn't know about, no matter what kind of changes, whatever, God gives actuality in biblical prophecy. So when you look at biblical prophecy about Jesus speaking in Matthew 24, when asked about the last days, the first thing he says, 
Don't let anyone deceive you. He's talking to them that believe in him. And we're told this again and again through the rest of the New Testament all the way up to the book of 1 John. Don't let anybody deceive you. So that's part of the command of Christ, the command of the Word of God, the call of the Spirit of God, uh, clearly the written Scripture for you and I. So if the Word of God's living in you, you know that you're living out there wherever you you know live, work, and eat, breathe, and do your stuff um, with the command not to allow anybody to deceive you. Two ways... Uh, for that to occur is knowing that call, that command, but then again, knowing the Word of God and being clothed and filled with the Spirit of God. That involves a willingness to be alert, to look, to discern, and um, to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Doesn't that, isn't that what it says in 1 John 4? Test Every Christian is to test the spirits all the supernatural presence that's coming forward, test it. Uh, is the proclamation the centrality of Jesus? Is there clearly doctrinal purity uh, in the in the clear basics of the word and the character of Christ? Now, in some big revivals, you might see some supernatural works and people saying Jesus this and Jesus that. But when you see false doctrine and character issues that are contrary to Christ involved, then you know there's a fleshliness, if not out-and-out purposeful deception going on. So please realize that the revealed satanic sequence and plan is uh, revealed in Scripture. We have all that we need to know what he's doing, but unless you look at that prophecy, you're not going to be preemptive. You're not going to have the content whereby you can be alert. Do you know what to look for? And if someone just says, hey, go out into those weeds and look, and you can stand out there for hours and finally say, what am I looking for? Well, counterfeit signs, wonders, and, and, and miracles. Doctrines of demons. Uh, the, the instruments by which these doctrines of demons, Timothy 4.1, will come through. Uh, the books, the writings, the teachings, the influences, and so forth. And you find that a lot of times in evangelism as you meet individuals who share the gospel, and they say, oh, I have a belief. I believe in uh, you know, this or that. And it doesn't make any difference. You just keep sharing the uh, unequaled, unprecedented, incredible, unparalleled news of Jesus. There is no one like him, no message like it, no work done like it, no cross like that, no resurrection like that, uh, no salvation transformation, uh, uh, Titus 3, chapter 3, uh, verses 3, all the way down. So, you know, you got to realize that the sequence is, is primarily... And so understand the sequence, number one. You've got to realize that Satan is out to create servants. Again, just lost people doing nothing but living their lives don't mean they're servants of Satan in the direct sense. I mean that Satan has gone out to purposely sow his word, counterfeit word, bring about a counterfeit salvation, a transmutation of their lives, a demonization, a demon empowerment, and uh, to create those who are willingly believing in the lie of his plan. They believe in the powers of darkness. They believe in Lucifer. They believe, you know, like Albert Pike and others that believe. So he's out to create servants the parable of tares reveals that the evil one works at night 
and he's out there and will create uh, tares alongside of those who are born again of the Spirit of God and believers in Jesus and being raised up all over the world. Satan is uh, raising up his people too. Secondly, satanic servants, past, present, and future. Go all the way to the Old Testament and go to, again, First Kings, I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter 21, 22. Look at Manasseh. He became a servant. Look at the servants of Baal, the priests of Baal, those who worshiped Moloch. Manasseh becomes a satanic servant, and through his life, he brings in every kind of demonic worship, starry hosts, everything that he can basically get his hands on, he allows and brings in to Jerusalem, even into the temple, to where occult objects are being made in the temple, occult symbols are nailed to the temple door, and uh, there's a worship of Moloch, and even Manasseh will sacrifice his own child and kill his own child in that. Please understand Ezekiel 8 and the 70 elders of Israel and the hidden satanic worship that nobody could detect because of the satanic power until God led Ezekiel by the Spirit of God, by the work of God, supernaturally basically cutting a hole in uh, you know, so he can see into the cave, seeing a door to where he can go through it and uh, see what's in there. And anybody researching Luciferianism and the real underground stuff, you, you can't find it without the Spirit-led work of God. You can't uncover the perpetrators of satanic ritual abuse and where the rituals are and where they're doing it without cutting, using the authority of Christ, praying for the destruction of satanic networks and powers and presence, and cutting through all that. You've got to have that praying going on to cut through the satanic supernatural secrecy that covers and keeps them hidden. They even do rituals to keep themselves hidden, rituals to, to bring forth powers. Now, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to bring things to light. We pray for the Holy Spirit to strike you know, cities and nations and uh, people groups uh, to bring the power of the gospel and bring open salvation, healing, deliverance, so forth. Well, they're doing it all underground, and they're doing everything. They're praying the opposite, to keep things hidden and secret until the Great Revolt. Now, that's what's been going on in the frog-in-the-kettle approach, the idea if, if you take a frog, put him in a kettle of water, and then slowly turn the heat up. The frog doesn't realize that he's literally being cooked alive. You can cook a frog alive that way. And little by little by little, the heat has been turned up. And that's what's been going on 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, so forth. And uh, again, in fulfillment of what God said would occur in Scripture. Now, the event that will bring an explosion into the world, the 9-11 satanic event, the great rebellion in 2 Thessalonians 2, um, will be the platform from which the Antichrist comes out into visible public affairs to say, here I am to save the day. Now, for the sake of the revolt, and then afterwards, the troops that Antichrist will need during the seven years of the tribulation, all the way to Revelation 1919. If you know, listen, you've got to see that he has to have millions, 
in committed, uh, willing uh, obedience to his plan. And eventually those troops will have taken the mark of the beast, which means very clearly anybody that takes the mark of the beast has done two things. They have believed the blasphemy of the little horn of, about God and renounced God and renounced Christ and so forth and accepted the beast and accepted his plan and accepted the mark that involves, I believe, demonic empowerment, demonic attachment, if not some level of possession. So all those troops that have uh, the mark of the beast means they have utterly rejected Christ, willfully accepting the Antichrist, and willingly have accepted his mark that includes, I believe, demonic attachment, if not possession. So the revealed satanic plan involves all along creating servants, past, present, and future, to bring about the frog in the kettle approach. It's obvious in first uh, in Timothy 4.1, where the Holy Spirit says expressly, clearly, that in the latter days that we're living in, that seducing spirits will come and, and deceive many you know, away from Christendom. And it will come through through hypocritical liars. God, God reveals that they are hypocritical liars. They can't live by what they say. They're lying. And they become the vessels of uh, the demons writing Speaking, influencing, gathering, uh, recruiting others, and that will be the you know constant frog in the kettle approach. And according to First John two, this is how we know it's the last hour. You know that many antichrists have gone out uh, to deceive many, and many will be. Even Jesus said in Matthew twenty four four down that many antichrist, many that will claim his name will come. To deceive, and many will be deceived. So that's the important thing to realize, and ultimately to realize in this context, First uh, Second Thessalonians two, that they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. They could have been saved, but when the Greek word used for refuse, they refuse. People, they're going to be people that don't want salvation, don't want God. And uh, if you look down a couple of verses there, it says they, they delighted in wickedness or evil. They delighted in the dark side. Well, they're going to perish. They're going to go to hell. There's no question about it. They're lost. If you read first chapter, the first chapter of Second Thessalonians, we always emphasize the second one, but chapter 1 of Second Thessalonians tells it very clear that when Jesus visibly returns, his church is caught up, and they're and the church is marveling, you know, in his presence and power, and that we stand in awe. Um, but those who have rejected and refused Jesus and salvation and God um, are cut out, shut out from his presence, and it's eternal destruction. And uh, we need to be able to preach and share that even now to warn people. And don't forget again Ezekiel 33, where it talks about God speaking through the prophet says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn. He would rather that they turn. And that's important. Point two on page uh, 40 here, 41 rather, that you have, session 25, is the occult writings, New World Order, and Cleansing. Now, I read a lot, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books and materials uh, and listen to MP3s and other things uh, only for the research issue. 
Um, it's kind of like the spies of Israel in the Old Testament, kind of going into the Jericho, going into the land to spy it out and coming back uh, to say what's there, but also proclaim the victory of God and uh, so forth. You can't expose anything unless you know something about it. Now, our goal always in Shatter from the very beginning in the 80s was, you know, we'll go in and learn, we'll even counter-infiltrate, we'll do whatever, but we won't compromise. We won't put ourselves where we have to compromise anything. I even let one time some lady that wanted to do kind of reading, um, and uh, she wanted me to come over and she wanted to do some kind of reading. Well, well, she started the reading before I could say anything. And what I did, I purposely was there to pray uh, for an intervention. I was lo- literally looking for a power encounter. I was wanting God to, you know, and so everything, she got confused and everything she tried to say was, and I just was wrong, 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 wrong. And uh, my goal being in the place I was that night was to um, to literally, I, I wanted to see a power encounter and, and proclaim the gospel. And uh, later I shared the gospel with another girl uh, that they were trying to say had a past life and all this kind of stuff. So you got to make sure that in all kinds of readings and writings, uh, be prayed up too. When I read, when I first picked up Alice Bailey's book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, which I think has come directly from the seducing spirits that First Timothy four one talks about. First Timothy four one, the God the Holy Spirit said that in the latter times seducing spirits would come. They would operate in the minds and hearts of people and bring about doctrines, teachings, writings. I believe Alice Bailey's book the externalization of the hierarchy, and the rest of her books too, but this one specifically, was done by the direct guidance of demonic, dark, finite spirits. And I believe when you're reading it, you're reading Doctrines of Demons. Now, I don't know about you, if you're ever going to read it or not, but when I read it, I needed to read it prayerfully. I prayed over it. For me, I could feel the opposition on the book. There's a number of books that are like that. Books that are actually doctrines of demons, I believe, probably have the attachment of the demons that help lead the writing of it. And I believe anybody that accepts those words, believes those words, puts those words in the, you know, into, into practice, really believes them, could acquire demonic possession. So in theosophical societies and in unity meetings, um, I believe that, uh, you know, in, in unity, so-called unity churches, I believe that they're, they're acquiring the demonic. So when you read, uh, and I'm reading John D. right now, and Yates and others and so forth, you can read the history and you can read in the past and reading ritual books and spell books and, you know, the Satanists and writers and the Yadzids, uh Satan worshipers over in uh, the Middle East. In all that study, number one, I need to be prayed up. Number two, I need to rebuke and pray against anything that I feel is of the demonic, and I've done that before. Uh, Number three, I want to make sure that certain books don't get out to weak or naive people either. And I don't. That's why I don't recommend. I I don't. There's a lot of books I won't not. I will not recommend uh, that I have here. I've got the Black Mass, one of that of 500 that was uh, hand typed, and uh, that was given to me by law enforcement. Uh, that supposedly came from France, an English version of the French version or whatever. Irregardless, 
there, the, the, the only reason for this information in my research is for exposure and evangelism. I don't want to be just a man behind a mic with a rock throwing it out against all these people. I want to go get them saved. Uh, I want to go get them saved. In the live radio program that we do every Sunday night, during the week another thousand people come and listen in the next six, seven days to the show two hour talk show we did. I I realized in the very beginning, and the Spirit of God really has really, you know, urged me uh, to bring about, you know, the message of salvation clearly again and again and again. Because the majority of those listening are psychics, ghost hunters, paranormal individual, people in the into all the other alternative spirituality. That's exactly where I want to be. I want to be witnessing to hundreds of individuals that do, uh, that are lost and out there, and they're into other stuff. So I don't mind bringing out comparisons and bringing out exposure. I don't mind knowing some of my stuff so that I can communicate to them. Paul said, uh, and there's a great favorite verse of mine, and I pray that it becomes one of yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. He simply says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a doulos, a servant, a slave. Now notice this. This is effort. This is commitment. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to every person, every man, every person he can. Why? So that I might win the most polloi, the most possible. He's willing to lock into every human being, no matter who they are, that he might win the most possible. He goes on, he goes on to say in that chapter, I become all things to all men that I might win the most. Now, in that adaption and incarnational view of evangelism, what I mean by that is uh, when Paul says, I become all things to all men, to the Jew like a Jew, to those without the law like one without the law. There's like the adaptive approach. When I've gone into biker bars, I don't go with a suit and tie, slam a Bible on the counter, start screaming salvation messages. I go in, buy a glass of orange juice, sit next to somebody, and I begin to witness. And we've had fruit, and we've led people to Christ. When I go to any kind of occult meetings or underground raves or whatever they might be, um, there's a sense that we can adapt Spiritually speaking, out of the love of Christ, we should be able to to look at people's lives, whether they're on the street and they have no food, and be able to help them. Whether it's a biker, whether it's a businessman, to go, whatever, uh, and and make some level of adaption uh, to, um, if you want to call it, uh, to adapt uh, to kind of um, I don't want to say be like them, but relate to them. Call it relational evangelism if you want, but it's a way of uh, understanding. And so many times I've said, even though I've read thousands of books or whatever, I, to like for example, I, I met a Hindu guy, and uh, in, my best way of learning was to um, and evangelizing him was to ask him his beliefs. What do you believe? What what, what are you into? I did this with with a, with a pagan priest. Asking him, you know, I, I'm interested. I want to know what you believe and what you're into and what your experience is. And with that, he had questions about what I believed. 
And as the scripture tells us in Peter, to set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and be prepared to give a reason, an answer. That's where apologetics comes from, to give an answer uh, for the hope that's in you to whoever asks and so forth. And do it with respect. God says do it with respect. So my thing's not to just yell at people and say, we're right, you're wrong. That's, that would, you know, it's stupid to try to win an argument and lose a soul. It really is. Our goal is to win souls and to get the wisdom of God, motivated by the love of God, knowing that Jesus died and shed his blood for them as much as he did for you. So it doesn't make any difference whether it's some sexually perverse person, somebody in jail, some Satanist. Uh, some, you know, whatever they may be, hardcore atheist. Um, you can uh, learn to have uh, to relate to them without any kind of compromise in order that you might be able to share with them the gospel. And so that's what I do in this world of occultism and Satanism and try to understand them. And, and uh, yes, they get mad, they cuss. It doesn't make any difference. Lost people, like I was, I, when I was lost, there's times I cussed out a few Christians and uh, told them to get lost and uh, felt bad afterwards a little bit, And uh, but I sure remembered it. When I got saved, I also remembered what I did. Uh, and thank the Lord for forgiveness and uh, his patience. Uh, Paul talks about how he was the chief of sinners and that with the kind of patience God showed in saving him, it was to be a display of, of God's unlimited patience for future generations who would believe. And again, Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, that the whole reason Jesus hasn't returned yet is what? Uh, God is patient, not willing with for anybody to perish. So his patience means salvation. 2 Peter chapter 3. So in the occult writings, materials, the scripture brings a little bit, I mean, it brings what I mean is the overall revelation of the Luciferian lie. The Luciferian lie is this, the promise from the satanic side to people, whether from the Gnostics, New Agers, Hinduism, you know, all that across the board, even traditional Satanists, the basic premise is uh, don't believe in God who's not, you know, cheated you and, and, and robbed you and doesn't give you the right stuff. He's the mean guy. The other side of that is um, there is a there is a spiritual elitism, a special secret of spiritual elitist knowledge that you can get uh, to acquire a a spiritual evolution to deification, an evolution to a new burst in human consciousness, uh, a a a spiritual human uh, transformation that will turn us into beings of light, beings of divinity. Well, if you go back to Genesis 3, that was basically what he promised. The promise of uh, becoming like God, to knowing the way God knows. The offer of a, a way of knowing uh, and a way of being. And it's all about a spiritual uh, evolution to a level of deification without the need of God. Now, you can read about that with Albert Pike and the Masons and his uh, dogmas and moral and their belief in the Luciferian cause. Lucifer is the light being. Jehovah is the bad guy. And when I read The Devil's Bible by Father Meridon 
from the Cathedral of the Black Goat, the first few chapters, that's what they say. Jehovah is the bad guy, evil guy, and uh, Lucifer is the, the, the being of light. He's the good guy. And um, God restricts us, and Lucifer wants to bring us to freedom. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, that's what you're going to find in a lot of these writings. Uh, if you look at Marilyn Ferguson um, and you look at uh, her writings of the, uh, well, the, the, the Aquarian conspiracy, uh, the, 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 the rise to this new age of uh, spiritual light and evolution, you can see it in Eckhart Tolle's writings uh, pushed by Oprah Winfrey to millions of people. Listen, millions have been willing to buy his book and read and get involved with the webinar, which means that uh, many are taking in the lie. Another book by, uh, that I think is one of the most dangerous books out there, It's not as, and, and thankfully it's not that popular, but God's Genes and Consciousness by Paul Von Ward, in which the phrase, the collective voices of advanced beings. In other words... And he claims to be a Baptist minister, which has got to be a total lie, because when you read his book, you can tell that the spirits, like with Alice Bailey and Helena, the Ascended Masters, Great White Brotherhood, whatever you want to call them, the spirits, finite, dark, fallen spirits, they have guided his writing and leading. He's guided his mind. He even acknowledges this at the end of his book, that he had a little help from those advanced beings. And when he begins to write and tell who these advanced beings are, they would include all of the ones that um, Eric Van Daniken talks about, Alice Bailey talks about, all of the uh, you know demon gods and goddesses, per se. And very clearly he will show in his book that we need to get rid of Christianity, uh, cold hard Christianity, biblical Christianity. Um, it's very clear he does not know the incredible, powerful salvation, being born of the Spirit, having the gift of immortality, indestructible immortality. So it's books like that 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 shows you exactly what Timothy 4 is talking about. The Spirit of God said that there would be many. He said very clearly, strongly, expressly, there would be many, many seducing spirits coming and they would bring about, by the guiding of willing minds and hearts, uh, by the way, Greg Hines is a new person on the field doing this. And and again, we're trying to, you know, and some of these writers, and there's been some that I've written to, and some that I've spoken, you know, to, you know about on, on larger radio programs where hundreds of thousands listened. With the goal that somewhere out there I would hope to, Engage some of them. Witness. I'm not afraid to witness to them. Benjamin Krim and the Maitreya. Uh, literally, it's not the Maitreya, it's the Betreya. Uh, but you have Benjamin Krim from England and probably an extremely educated man, extremely occult-oriented man, and extremely... Um, energized individual with demonic presence. Now, years ago, I mean, I knew of his materials and read some of his books and stuff and researched it a little bit, but I was listening to Coast to Coast, Art Bell, 
And they were talking about Benjamin Krim, and Art was not even wanting to bring him on because of the presence associated with and behind Benjamin Krim. Well, I'll never forget how a young man called in, said he was a Christian, and that he went to one of the meeting, meetings, excuse me, one of the meetings that uh, Benjamin Krim was holding. And when he went into the conference room, he says as he stood there, he began to feel a presence. And he felt this presence that was like pushing him to mock God, to blaspheme God. I mean, just all over him. And this young Christian said it even took him a few days to pray it off of him. And he shared that story live to millions on Coast to Coast with Art Bell. So the collective voices of the demons, what are they saying? Well, they're saying, throw God, you know, out you know, out to sea. And grab hold of this, this alternative spiritual information, knowledge that'll that'll lead to an elite, you know, you're you're gonna be an elitist, and it's gonna be a spiritual evolution to some level of uh, deification, a new uh that you'll evolve into a new spiritually advanced being, that we need to listen to these ascended masters and take in what they're saying. Now, that's what all the occult books, and again, whether you ever read them or not, you'll know this is ultimately what they're talking about. And you'll know also that as you're out evangelizing, there's times that I've taken in a Shadow of the Darkness course locally here, individuals to Borders Bookstore. And we already trained up and prayed up and said, okay, when we go in there, buy a cup of coffee, whatever, go around, you know, sit here, sit there, but pray for a divine appointment. Pray to meet somebody. You're in there to look to meet somebody, to start up a conversation, and to evangelize, to share Jesus. And we've had that happen again and again, where some of our people would go to the metaphysical occult book area. There's thousands of books there. And literally, you know, you can run into people reading books on angels or astral projection or Wicca or whatever. And just, you know, throw up a conversation and uh, pray the Holy Spirit leads you uh, to an open conversation about Jesus. I've had individuals we've taken in there that all of a sudden I'd find them with the gospel track opened up. They're sharing the full gospel with somebody right in the middle of the aisle or sitting on a, on a little chair. So... You know, if you get somebody with you and uh, you get prayed up, you know, go ahead and go. Go ahead and go to the local borders or go somewhere and uh, be prayed up and look for people to share with. And uh, listen, even if you're in borders, buy somebody a cup of coffee and sit down and ask them first what they believe and what they're into. And ask them questions. And when you ask them questions, it it, it may lead to... Um, it may lead to really showing them uh, how empty and crazy their stuff is. Let alone give you discernment and let the Holy Spirit begin to compile within you what you need to share with them. And ultimately, you got to share the gospel. Faith can't get saved without hearing. How can they believe on whom they've not heard? Remember Romans 10? And don't forget the gospel has that power. So, um, and it's very possible that you might meet somebody that's into you know Wiccan, you know Druidism, Satanism, whatever, uh, and and have demonic attachment. They could be saying, "I hear voices in my head," or "I the uh, there's a presence that comes on me and leads me to write automatic writing." Or there might be just somebody searching, spiritually searching, 
It's a great place to evangelize. Uh, maybe you've got a bookstore in your area that you can do that or places you can go. A mall even. Don't make a big scene because you might get kicked out. Just do it one-on-one. And uh, it's a great a great way to evangelize. So um, sometimes we can get even educated. And through years and years and years, I've gotten educated uh, by individuals who I was counseling or evangelizing or whatever. And they, you know, to, to listen to them tell me their belief system, to have Satanists or Wiccans take me to their places of worship, their ritual centers, or to show me their stuff, or individuals that we led to Christ. Now, one individual was Wiccan, and they had uh, we, we ended up going to their home after they got saved and after the demon threw them to the ground and we had to cast it out and they got saved so forth. Um, they wanted to get rid of all the objects they had. In one home alone, we filled up two, in the very beginning, two garbage bags, 33-gallon-sized garbage bags of occult literature, um, statues, all kinds of things that would be oriented towards uh, demonic openings and doors and presents. So the occult writings that involve New World Order information, Robert Mueller, David Spangler, all of these individuals, the Luciferian, you can, again, Google this phrase, Luciferian invocation, see what you read. Uh, You can go to the... um, Terry Mendelson's site, I believe it's called Conspiracy Archives, he's got some of the best presented articles exposing deep-level New Age and occult uh, belief systems. Great, great place to go. And here's where we find what the demons are pushing, what the demons are saying, what the demons are looking for. And guess what? It's what God already said they'd be doing. It's what God said 2,000 years ago in preparing the body of Christ uh, for what they would do in in miniature, they would do on a global scale in the very last days. So, very important to take a look at some of that. Again, you can't expose evil deeds of darkness, Ephesians chapter 5, without knowing. But the knowing doesn't mean practicing. It means uh, researching, uh, spying out, taking a look at, and and then... by the on the basis of the Word of God and the Spirit's leading in your life to bring things out to warn believers, but to also uh, evangelize those who are involved, and I think that's part of the part of our mission. Point three on page forty-one of this last session: the plot of the real Luciferians. I mean, listen, over in Europe is where, and again, I think in the Catholic Church in the Vatican, where where Father Malachi Martin talked about. Uh, the underground satanic presence, uh, that there would be real Luciferians there, the order, uh, the brotherhood, and that they'd be plotting and planning again all these years for the day of the coming revolt and and unleashing of Antichrist. So um, all throughout Europe, I think, is the center of the belly of the beast, but all throughout the United States, too. You've got to realize that there's coven meetings, ritual meetings, that there are um, gatherings where the real worship of Satan, of Lucifer, is going on, where real demonic presence and power shows up, where real sexual, animal, uh, and even human uh, rituals are done, 
sexual rituals and blood rituals and, uh, of course, death rituals. You've got to realize that not only the old-level European Satanism that came out of France and uh, of defunct monks, uh, underground places where this is being done, they love to get into churches, infiltrate. They love to be a part of big cathedrals and so forth and be able to use the building late night. So in your area, you might begin to pray, God, show, expose where they're meeting. Bring about a series of events by your incredible providence. You know exactly, like in Ezekiel's day. Don't forget Ezekiel 8. Uh, and, and again, Ezekiel wasn't even praying about it. But God led him to see what was going on. And I think that's what's happened with my life over the years many times. There's things I've, there's things I, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to see. The blood and the guts, headless bodies, the, the ritual sites, I, I just, the, the pictures in law enforcement, hundreds of them. But on the other side of the fence, how can we get little kids out? How can we save little girls? How can we uh, preach to people being recruited into those systems to get out and get saved? Well, and how can we give up, you know, some level of heads up to the church so the church can have um, the content whereby which to be alert, what to look for? What are you looking for? If you're going to look, what are you looking for? Um, so that's very important, too. Real Luciferians, bottom line, they're here to create confusion and counterfeit spirituality. That's what they're here to do. And all their rituals and the powers they're unleashing and uh, their ritual meetings that are growing uh, in- incredibly, uh, they're unleashing. Even in richly abused, satanic, you know, richly abused people that have sub-personalities, in most of them, especially if you're working them, you'll find this out. They have a group of sub-personalities within that know how to conjure demons, that know how to do rituals, and that on the inside do that to call up and release dark powers in and upon churches and Christians to bring, you know, there's stuff that, there's stuff that's called chaos magic and to bring confusion and harm and hurt and whatever else. Uh, the second thing is they're they're placing sleepers, their people, uh, to wait for the day of the Great Rebellion all over in law enforcement, military, government, and in churches. Point three, they're going to un- unleash them and activate them to literally let hell uh, be unleashed. Chaos, anarchy, causing uh, a collapse in society of the infrastructure and uh, making way, and it's all about this, regime change. How do you think that Antichrist and the New World Order will come into power? Will it just happen, you know, year after year after year of political debates and inch by inch by inch, you know, they finally come to power? You think the Antichrist is going to be voted in? Not at all. Biblical revelation shows us that the frog in the kettle, step-by-step sequential approach will lead to a burst, a great rebellion that opens the door for the revelation of Antichrist and uh, his whole system, which will be a day of unprecedented demonic 
manifestation in in the world, in the air, felt um, the critical mass spiritually behind that that would be opposed to Chris, uh, Christianity. So um, people can feel it in the air. And if you can feel it in the air now, wait till that day comes. But that still doesn't change the fact that the kingdom of God is indestructible, the church is indestructible, that the gospel is indestructible, that people can still get saved. Uh, some look, look at Mark chapter 5. If this man had 144,000 demons, a legion of demons in him, if nobody could even talk to him, chain him, do anything, and he lived naked, cutting himself among the tombs, don't forget Mark chapter 5. Jesus went to him, targeted him, went right up to him to where the demons threw the man to the ground and screamed out. They knew who he was. And real demon-possessed people, the demons inside, will know who you are. Remember what the demons said in the book of Acts? Jesus we know, and Paul we know. They know if you're a real believer. You, let me tell you something right now. Can I say it flat out? Don't you ever back down. Don't you ever back down from any demonic presence. The righteous are as bold as a lion. We've been, uh, we are called the righteousness of God in Christ. We're, we're, we're God, we are, and we've been given His righteousness. We've been, we've been justified, Romans chapter 5. But we also live it out. It's part of the armor of God. Truth, righteousness. If you're living righteously, you're clean, man. You've been cleansed by the blood of Christ and given His righteousness, but you're also living it out. Therefore, manifesting. See, through your obedience, the Holy Spirit can manifest so powerfully. Through your obedience. Please realize in the New Testament, no miracle, no power, no deliverance, no healing, no sign or wonder from God ever came about except through obedient Christians. Obedient Christians. The last thing I want to say on this page and for this course as a whole is simply this. Being alert and tracking the satanic agenda. Now listen, it's one thing for you to have this information and be alert and be out there evangelizing and doing your stuff and, and being a, you know, a, a very good worker in the midst of your church. The other side of this is if you get involved in tracking the satanic agenda for the sake of exposing it praying against it, getting people saved and out of it. And I hope that's what you're going to do. I hope that you'll go from just being alerted to be tracking it. If you are evangelistically committed, and if you have a sense of target, if you're dealing with richly abused people or if you're dealing with you know that kind of segment, if you feel a calling from God, listen, because of the ramping up of demon, you know, demonization and so forth of society and people, we're just gonna simply have more of it. So I pray that you'll be involved in, you know, I look at it as evangelistically we're out there winning souls to to reach every kind of person. But in the context of the satanic agenda, which God has led me and what Shadow of the Darkness is all about is to, to target into that realm. 
and uh, expose, let the church know, bring the warnings out, to pray against with the authority of Christ, the dark powers, to seek to get out victims, and, uh, and then to seek to win even satanic priests, uh, committed Luciferians, to seek to win them to Christ. Remember Saul of Tarshish? In Acts chapter 7, he was breathing out murderous threats. He was just tracking down Christians, doing whatever he could. But guess what happened? He had a visitation from God. Now, I want to give you a homework assignment here at the end. Because this is the last session. And maybe you can write me and tell me about it later. But if you have looked at the Shadow of the Darkness website, to the left there's a thing that says Assault on Bohemian Grove. And maybe you already know about Bohemian Grove. A lot of people have researched it, studied it, looked at it. Even Alex Jones had done a great job of exposing things. But what good is knowing about it if nothing's done? What good's knowing that some of the worst kind of satanic worship and plotting and sexual ritual abuse going on what good is it to know about that without doing something? So I want to give you a homework assignment. I'm going to ask you to really ask the Lord about this. And I'm asking the Lord to move a lot of people this way. On just the one subject, Bohemian Grove. Obviously, men that are in robes and worshiping and giving what they call the effigy of a human being over to human sacrifice and what they're really doing is really doing the ritual, masked as some kind of, you know, out in the woods retreat fairy tale play. What they're really doing is conjuring the dark powers because Satanists, monarch, MK Ultra individuals who've been there, I've sat down with and talked to. You. Let alone have I looked at and researched the subject and pray that I get to go there someday. But the ritual that goes on is to conjure massive demonic presence and power for one reason. Across the little lake, when they do this so-called play, this ritual, there are hundreds of the world's top political, military, media, and money leaders. And the demonic presence is sent on them to influence them. Now, read Revelation 16, how the dragon, the beast, and the false prophets send demons out to the kings of the earth to do what? Supernaturally influence, guide, and gather them. Who do you think gathers all the world leaders, including our presidents, senators, world leaders, to this place in California called Bohemian Grove? What I want to encourage you to do is begin to research a little bit Look at the prayer agenda that we have in the assault on Bohemian Grove and begin to pray. Pray about God destroying the ritual site, destroying the dark powers of delivering leaders and others, of, ex of exposing what's really going on in the underground cabins and meeting places and the sexual abuse. On the other hand, praying for the past victims to come forward for salvation, healing, deliverance, to pray for current victims to be supernaturally rescued, to pray for some of their priests and leaders like Saul of Tarsus to be engaged by Christ and to be led to Christ and to come out and to tell the story. 
So I want you to think about that in this last session. I'll leave that upon you, and I'm simply going to say in this last few moments, may the Lord Jesus Christ bless you and your family. May He strengthen you in every single way, Word of God and in the Spirit. May He make you greatly fruitful, and uh, but also very powerful in the winning of many to Christ and in doing great damage to the kingdom of darkness. I pray with all the information God has given you, it'll be used to warn others, to expose the dark side, to pray against and uh, see that Jesus would bring destruction to the dark presence and powers, and to seek the salvation. Remember what it says in Jude, to get plucked some out of the fire, to get them right. You know, there's that one thing that I've always remembered about. I don't know if it was a poem or some kind of thing somebody's written but years ago, someone wrote something something like this. Let others have a ivory-covered chapel beneath an ivory-covered bell, but let me run a rescue ship one foot away from hell. Saul of Tarshish needed to get saved. Many were afraid of him, but he did. Jesus broke in and brought him to his knees. And a lot of the hardcore Luciferians, Satanists, and so forth all around, it's not just throwing rocks. Throwing rocks at them is not the mission of God. If you remember John's Gospel 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Look at the next verse. God did not send his Son of the world to condemn the world but to save the world. Give your heart to evangelism and to reaching everybody the highways and the byways and even those who've given themselves, as the, the Scripture says in Timothy, who've been taken captive to do Satan's will. May God's blessing and the power of the Spirit of God be upon you in this. When you get a chance, write me a note, shatterxmailsbcglobal.net Go to the shadowthedarkness.net site for all the new information. And if you can, come and join us and visit with us on Sunday nights at 11 p.m. on the live uh, preemption broadcast radio talk show. And that's where we seek to get people saved. And people have gotten saved right on the show, which is very good. Hey, God bless you. Hope to meet you sometime. Otherwise, we will see you glorified in the air when Jesus comes. And we'll look each other up. Blessings to you, my friend.